Holy Gospel comes to us today from the book of Mark. We continue on in chapter 1, verse 29 through 39. As soon as Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came, he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and he went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. He went through Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Over the years... In the role as a pastor, we're called to preach, we're called to teach, but we're called to show up when others are sick or ailing. Years ago, I remember doing a visitation at the hospital there in Rapid City, and and there in the room next door was a six-year-old girl. A six-year-old girl receiving treatments after her battle with leukemia, amongst many other ailments. I stood there for a moment, and... I met the father standing in the doorway as we chatted for a moment, and and I just told him, I said, sir, I'll pray for you. What I longed to do was go in and just grab the girl's foot, say something in my mind, whether it's in secret or quiet, and then walk out of that room and, and bless that family to walk away two days later with full healing of their daughter. Amen? There's times when as a law enforcement chaplain, get called out for death notifications. I wish there's a different message we share. I wish when we show up on scene that there's something we could say, something we could do, snap our fingers and change the outcome of the story. The number of times I sit in my office with someone profoundly struggling with their battle with alcoholism, drug addiction, or a whole host of other needs, I wish that in that prayer that I could simply say the words, cast out the demons they struggle with, and suddenly it is all better. The number of times I sit there offering pastoral care with couples struggling in their marriage, I wish I could convince them to just hold hands, and with one magical saying, everything is perfected. I remember after a number of those occasions, I came home one time and I shared with Carmen, I said, you know, I wish I could just grab their hand or grab their foot and walk out, not even say anything out loud, but just silently walk away, knowing that, they, that within an hour they'll get up and just walk out of there. And she looked at me and she so eloquently said, yes, but then that would make you God. She goes, I suppose God's probably not okay with that, dear. Rightfully so. Jesus is in Galilee. 
He's still in Galilee. Last week in our text, he was in the synagogue in Capernaum. He was there to preach. And as we learned last week, he was preaching a message that was being received in a very different way that they had never experienced before. As, as Mark says, he was preaching with authority. You see, Jesus was preaching. He wasn't referring to the other rabbis. He wasn't referring to the teachers of the law or the teachers of Scripture. He wasn't referring to what some other pastor once said. He was preaching in a way, because remind ourselves, he is God in the flesh, declaring, proclaiming what is to come, proclaiming the fulfillment of the prophets, proclaiming in the Messiah and the kingdom of God being here. And in the week prior to that, we remember that Jesus shows up in Galilee, and the very first thing he does is he's calling his first disciples. The very first words out of Jesus' mouth in Mark's gospel is, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Find peace. Find peace in the good news and the gospel to be proclaimed. So Jesus has left the synagogue. Worship is over. And there they go over to Simon Peter and Andrew. They go to Peter's home. And, and what do we discover? If you pick up on that slight nuance, oh my gosh, one of the disciples was married. Peter, his mother-in-law. Let's look at the facts. If you have a mother-in-law, you have a? Yes, he left his wife in the name of the Lord. Don't go any deeper in that. <laughs> we don't know anything about it. We don't know the profoundness of the call and what was at stake for these individual disciples. But in this moment in time there, they've left the synagogue. They are now in Simon Peter's home. And it's brought to their attention. While they had been off in the beginning of their ministry, it's been brought to their attention that, she, that uh, mom is very sick. And she is so sick, she's on her deathbed with fever. And it says right here, it says that she was so incredibly sick, he took her by the hand, he helped her up, and the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Now, I've heard some really bad podcasts over the last couple of weeks that talks about how Jesus sent her back into the service of a woman's role, and we need to set that, uh, that nuance, that jargon aside, because actually the honor the blessing of a woman in a Jewish household was to prepare the Shabbat meal, which is exactly what they were there. It was the Sabbath, and now it is the Shabbat. And so Jesus grabs her hand, the fever dissipates, and what does she do? She, Jesus frees her right back into the role that she would have taken with pride and joy. She jumps right back into preparing the meal, preparing the celebration that they did each week to remember that Passover covenant in which God freed them all, freed all of them and their ancestors from the captivity of Egypt. You think they took notice? Absolutely. Not only are the miracles in the community, but the miracles are right there before the disciples themselves. And word continues to get out as the evening progresses, as time goes on. Well, we're reminded uh, that evening at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick, all of the demon-possessed, the whole town gathered at the doorway, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. All night long, he's healing. All night long, God's authority through, through Jesus, his son, God in the flesh, all night long, that authority is on display. Healed, touched, 
changed. Words spoken. Demons about to, dig, to cry out, and he silences them and pulls them out. The next morning, amongst the exhaustion, Jesus goes to find respite. He goes to pray. And there the, the disciples, they start hunting after their, their, their Messiah, their leader, their rabbi. They're, they're wondering where he's at. But then there they are. They find him. There he is praying in a solitary place. And Simon and his companions, they went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is still looking for you, Lord. Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. We long for the healings because we are sick, amen? Some of us are physically ill and we beg for that moment in which the Lord just grabs us by the hand and takes away our fever. That the Lord calls out the demons amongst us and casts them out so that we can be healthy and well. We as a people, we as a culture, we are sick. And, and one, of my, uh, one of my colleagues this week, when we were talking about this, he said it best. He said, you know, the gift of the healing is that it reminds us the purpose of why Jesus was doing the healing. And the doing of the healing is the reminder that the Messiah has come. It is the parallel declaration. Besides the words he's also proclaiming, it is the declaration. It fulfills all of the messianic promises that the Messiah has shown up, which absolutely gives affirmation to the very first thing Jesus said. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Take peace and hope in the good news of the gospel. But you see, the healings were temporary moments. The healings, as my, as my colleague said this week, he said, healing only lasts until the next sickness comes. Amen? Healing only lasts until the next tragedy strikes. As a family, as we, as we read scripture, our daughters, not too long ago, they, they made the comment, we were talking about Lazarus. Well, Daddy, does that mean Lazarus died twice? That's rough, Amen? You see, Lazarus isn't still walking around, is he? Simon Peter's mother-in-law, she's, she's not still with us. The healing is necessary. My, my heart goes out for all the doctors, all of the nurses, all of the social workers and caseworkers, all of our therapists. They are absolutely desperately needed because in life's journey, what we do need is respite and healing and care from those moments and those tribulations that do come. Amen? We need that. We long for that. And God bless those who help aid in that. But the thing that we need the most is exactly what Christ says right here. I come to preach. That is why I am here. He has come to preach the good news. And in the time that we live in, in the postmodern era that we live in, in the post-Christian era as it's now being declared, there are so many that are possessed by the demons, possessed by the ailments of the world all around us, and what they truly need is the message of the Savior. What they truly need, what we truly need, is the proclamation that the temporary struggles that we face, because they truly are temporary, that those struggles will come to an end. 
This week, I sat with a family who lost a loved one who we will lift up in prayer and we will do the funeral service for this week. And it's kind of a full circle intersection of sorts because years ago in Hill City, I had the gift and the privilege of burying his brother. His brother struggled with Parkinson's. And in his later years of Parkinson's, the medications that were needed for the sake of, uh, of the symptoms also created uh, phenomenal hallucinations that led to devastating, devastating struggles and conversations at home. And there's something very profound in that experience as the pastor. Because when his wife would call, when sundowner syndrome was happening late afternoon and the hallucinations were taking hold, I would walk in the doors and he would simply pause. In the midst of the hallucination, he would say, Pastor. And he'd have tears. And we'd sit and pray. The presence of the Lord, the presence of the gospel, the presence of the good news is something more profound that I think we take for granted so often. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, you too are proclaimers of that good news. It's my prayer that the world and its narratives haven't gotten the best of us, in which we forgot that we too get to proclaim the message that Christ came. And as we ail in understanding what is the gospel, Sitting in our own Synod's candidacy committee, there are times in which a couple of my colleagues and I, we will look at the interviewing pastors-to-be, and we have asked, can you give us the gospel? And we get, a nerve, we get a little nervous at times at how difficult that is. So dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it is as the following. Dear sinners, we need mercy. Amen? Dear sinners, we are sick. We have moments and we have blinks in the eye in our chapters of life that absolutely bring us to our knees, fall flat on our face, found ourselves in hospital beds or in the, in the need of a counselor because, dear sinners, we need a Savior. And due to the condition of humanity, due to the condition of who we are and the failures of all of our ancestors, we find ourselves sick time and again. But God, the great physician, the healer. He did not come to Galilee just to cast out our demons. He did not come to Peer just to touch our hand and take away our fever. He came to remind us that this moment in life is but a blink of an eye. And that his plan, his joy, his struggle was to take on our struggles so that this chapter, this life, the air in our lungs is never the final answer. And he does that. He takes that. He proclaims that to each of us. And he will take it ultimately to the cross in which he atones for us so that we, who are unworthy to stand in the presence of Almighty God, the holiness and the most righteous one of all, he gives that. He takes that on for us so that we too, when that time comes, we can stand there in the presence of God. We can stand there and worship and participate in all of the eternal life that is to come. But even there, that's that point in which we stop. But that is not the end of the gospel because the truth of the gospel comes in the empty tomb. It is when Jesus walks out of that tomb that he puts his thumbprint, he puts his stamp, he puts the full approval 
on the proclamation that is to come. And that proclamation is that the fever will not have the final word. Our illness will not have the final word. Our addiction will not have the final word. And our death itself is truly the beginning. So dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we long for a healer, but what we receive is a proclaimer. And that proclamation, dear children of God, is that you will have eternal life. You will have a drink from the spring that never leaves you thirsty. You will have the bread of life. Thanks be to God.